Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. So I'm so glad you're here. My name is Brian. I'm the lead pastor. If you're brand new, welcome online, um, Unfiltered Radio around Florida and all over via podcast. Um, man, we're so glad you're in the house today. If you're brand new, trying to figure out if you have any faith, uh, deconstructing your faith, trying to figure out where to go from here, we are so glad that you're with us and on this journey with us, or maybe you're a longtime follower of Jesus just trying to uh, move forward and grow in your faith. So either lane, man, we're glad you're here. If you stop by Connect Point in the lobby outside, you'll get one of these for free. Um, if we just love to connect with you, won't do anything weird. We just want to give you something. So I'm um, glad you're with us today. We are in part three of Take Back Your Life. Has anybody enjoyed this series so far? Okay. Shameless. I'm just trying to see if any of you are with me. So here's the thing I, I want to start off with as we dive into part three. Like there are some things, there's a lot of things in terms of life that are just hard. And they change with every season. So what's hard at one season is not that hard at another season. Like by the time I was in sixth grade, the hardest thing I ever had to face was uh, when I wanted to get into sports and I begged and pleaded with my parents and finally they let me uh, play soccer. You, I've told the story before, I was, but up to that point, very right-brained, I, like artistic, you know, not a lot of girlfriends, that type of thing. And then sixth grade, okay, I'm gonna go the sports route. I wanna sign up to play soccer. I had no idea uh, how to play soccer. Um, and I remember the first practice, I was like, this is awful. Like, I don't, um, I know other countries call this football. This is nothing like football. Um, this doesn't hold a candle to football. And I know that's an unpopular opinion among many of you, but I just, like, I got into it and I was like, no. And so I went home and told my dad, like, I got to quit. And he's like, you're not quitting. Like, I just spent money for this. I don't care if you suck. You're playing the entire season. And I did, man. And I, the first game, I just realized I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to trudge through a season of one to nothing scores. I'm gonna play for three hours and somebody's gonna score one time. Like that's, that's what we're gonna have to do. And then to, to top it all off, and this is kind of my dad brother's influence. He got to the end of the year, we had this big ceremony. We actually won the championship for our little thing, no help from me. And at the end, they gave out trophies to everybody. And I remember I was so mad at that, I went home and threw away the trophy. I was like, I know I suck. Do not give me a trophy for what I just did during this season. But it was a hard, up to that point, it's the hardest thing I ever did for a sixth grader. Um, and then by the time I'm like in college, um, I had to get this a job and I was working for a guy, a guy in my church. And it seemed like a great idea. I quit one job to start with him. And it was gonna be like less weekends. I was weekend working at Sports Authority, if anybody remember, which that was a really good job, 18-year-old in college. But I, I changed to work for him, no weekends, flexible hours. Um, but he did this business where he would clean commercial floors. And it was the hardest freaking job I have ever done in my life. Like to give you one example, we had, the, we had one job I remember on, like I'd finished classes on a Thursday. We got there on a Friday at four o'clock. And once you start these jobs, to not give you too much information, you gotta finish. And so we had complicated with the job. We had to just keep going. We started at 4 p.m. on a Friday. We ended that job on four, at 4 p.m. on that next Saturday. 
without a break. We didn't go home to rest or like take a nap or like 24 hours straight of work, which I know some of you have done that in your industry, but as an 18-year-old kid making minimum wage, like I made the wrong job choice, like working for this guy. And then nothing, like all that pales in comparison to then, um, at least for me, when you have your first kid, and for us, that was just, and, and it maybe it's different for some people, it was such a panic. Um, in the first three months for our little girl, like it was nothing serious, but she had all those things that just equate to you're never gonna sleep. So colic, reflux. So the first three months was nonstop crying, never slept, and it was just so unbelievably hard. And like, it's worth it, though there's a few moments in those first three months, you're like, was it? We could have been okay, but like, it's worth it. But it was so unbelievably hard. Like it was just hard. And in every season of our life, and it looks very different, like there's just hard stuff that we gotta walk through. And where I wanted to move in in part three is just to say, you, to say this to you, because I think this is so important, that if you are ever gonna move to a place of taking back your life, of moving to a place of thriving, of healing in that area where you need healing, like it is gonna be hard. And the thing is that all of us, me included, like we are conditioned to want easy and when we don't get it, it is so easy to stay stuck. Because come on, it is hard to heal a marriage that's been on autopilot for a decade. It is freaking hard to beat an addiction. Like it's hard to forgive somebody. I don't care how many verses you give me. It is hard to forgive somebody who has hurt me in a really deep way. That's not easy. Like it's hard to move in the direction of healing a relationship with a parent that you feel like has dismissed your pain for a long time now. In fact, in some ways, maybe it's still perpetuating some of that pain. And it's hard like just to, as we looked at last week, to admit stuff that you're struggling with. Like it is just hard. And what we said throughout this series is this, is the reality as a follower of Jesus, and if you're not, so much of this will apply to you anyway, but we have been called to thrive and not just survive. And that doesn't mean that like stuff's not gonna hit the fan. It's not gonna be hard. Jesus promised us that it would. But here's one of the things, man, that I think we need to watch for is specifically in our culture is that we start to, to kind of normalize dysfunction. Like you'll even hear it in the way people talk of just like, well, every week pretty much sucks for me. Well, I mean, maybe for a season, but I don't think that's where you've been called to live. I don't think that's your life. I don't think that that should be the sum of everything that you're experiencing when Jesus said, hey, even in the midst of trouble, I want you to live life to the full. I want you to experience love, joy, and peace, even when some stuff is really difficult and really hard. But here's just the reality for a lot of us is that like we so desire to thrive, to heal, to move forward, to take back our life. But for some of us, we've moved up against something to where it feels out of reach. And the reality of why it feels out of reach is because there is something in front of us that just looks too uncomfortable, too difficult, too hard, too much sacrifice, too much money, too much embarrassment. And the reality for a lot of us is that your healing is right on the other side of that. And you're in a place where you are stuck and you've conditioned yourself of this is just where I need to live my life. I'm not gonna be able to get there. The reality is just this, man. It is hard to take back your life in any area of your life. And come on, it's not that you're not hoping for something better. Like it's not that there's some kind of void of intention, like you have good intentions, you pray about it, you believe all of the right stuff, but the reality is this, man. It's gonna require something from you. 
Like, here's what I've learned. My wife, and we tell this story often, and every time we're interviewed about this, my wife, a mental health advocate, like, I, I basically drop the same line every time about her, is that all hell broke loose our first year of marriage. We've talked about this so much, and um, she began to struggle with mental illness that we didn't have a context for because that didn't exist, and so we weren't even thinking that, and we saw everybody we could imagine and met with every pastor, and here's three more verses, and none of that seemed to work, and then things just got worse and worse. And all of a sudden she was a pastor's wife and we were starting a new church and she was suicidal. And we're trying to figure things out and keep it together because we didn't know anybody else who'd struggle with this kind of stuff, but she felt like she was out of her mind and she didn't know what was going on. And it got progressively worse where our marriage then started hanging on by a thread and I was angry and she was depressed and she was anxious and we, there was nowhere for us to go. And when you're in a place, man, where you're rock bottom, you don't think your marriage is gonna last, which affects your career, and then your wife is suicidal with knives in a dark closet, and you wonder what's next for you. Like, it it leads you to be desperate. And we started to do anything we could, man, drive across country, spend whatever money we had at that time because we didn't have any go into debt, but we were like, whatever we've got to do, and specifically my wife, whatever I've got to do, and here's what I learned in that process, and I've learned from so many people since then, whether it's mental illness, a marriage, a habit, somebody else has hurt you, you're walking through something where you're struggling. I think this is just the reality, and you see it throughout scripture. If you are gonna take back your life in a lot of those areas, if you are gonna heal, if you are gonna get to a place where you thrive, almost always, it will require an extreme measure on your part. It will require an extreme decision. It will require an extreme sacrifice. And in most cases, and this is what's just difficult, you will not tweak your way into it. It will require you to take an extraordinary step. And I get, man, that's just, that's just hard. But for some of you, man, the healing that you so desperately want and you so pray for, there's that one thing that you won't give up. There's that one thing that you won't do. And it's just human nature, man. We want the payoff without the pain. I mean, that's just true. I, I've said it before, but like you want abs without any planks. And it's not gonna happen. And you can relate that to any other thing in your life. It's just, it's just where we're at. But sometimes your healing requires your embarrassment. Sometimes your healing requires your sacrifice. In fact, sometimes... The healing for somebody else that maybe is the closest person in the world to you and you're praying harder for their healing than anybody else, it's gonna require an extreme sacrifice on your part for their healing. It's gonna require money in some cases. It's gonna require awkward conversations. It's gonna require maybe feeling some things that you don't wanna feel, some discomfort. But I'm just telling you, in a lot of cases, when you finally get to that place to go, man, I want to take my life back, it will require something extreme. You see, it's all throughout the New Testament. My favorite story is when Jesus is beginning his ministry and he has one of those kind of, you know, those big ministry rallies that he did. And in one particular one, he's inside of, oh, we call it a house, it's basically a hut. And Jesus is teaching, but the crowds just keep growing. And so as often times with Jesus, like he's on the edge of a, a, you know, a riverbank and then the crowds just swell out of it or like he's in the synagogue and it's going out the door. In this case, he's in a house. And I mean, it's just flowing outside of the house. People are trying to hear what he's saying and trying to get as close as he can. And a lot of people are there to hear Jesus teach, but maybe the majority of people are there to see Jesus heal. 
and they show up because we've heard things about you, there's rumors about you, and we want in on that because all of us have stuff that we wanna be healed of. And so on this particular day, they're there, Jesus is teaching, he's inside this hut, and this guy who has been basically lame his entire life, he's a paralytic, he's on a stretcher, gets four of his friends to bring him to the Jesus rally. And by the way, like just that alone, like I know we just skip over that, like that's a big deal. Like I honestly, like, I was thinking about this story. I was like, it would take some convincing to get my brother to do that, like, let alone just like four random friends. Like, I, I swear, just take me there. You having to carry me for like three miles is gonna be worth it. And like, we'll see what happens, but I've heard this guy could heal. And so they bring their friend, and these are legit friends, on this stretcher or mat to this rally, and they get there, and the place is just full. Jesus is teaching, everybody's out the door, and so they begin to try to make their way in. And you can only imagine what that looks like. Like, hey, could you excuse me? Could we, could we get, could we just, could you just slide over and we could just get our mat through there? And I don't know if there's, maybe there's mat access where there's wheelchair, I don't know. But could you, hey, hey, man, could you just, just if we could just make some room? And you can only imagine, man, to put this in context, like these people got there early to find healing in a lot of cases. You are not giving up your space. Like, I just equate this to the car line at our elementary school. And I'm not gonna name the elementary school. A lot of you know, many of you go there. There's teachers from that school, maybe in this room. Um, they go to our church, I know. But anyway, this particular school, it starts with an A. Like, in the car line, it's crazy. But my wife, our car just... It just went out, alternator went out the other week in our Toyota Sequoia, which that's not a small vehicle. My wife's by herself picking up the kids. She gets out, things, puts this thing in neutral, tries to push it herself off to the side, and she does this for how long? Yeah, like 10 minutes. Well, the full car line wrapping, like just watches her because those people are the most savage people that you will ever meet, man. It doesn't matter what you have to do. I, I'm sure they felt things for her. Sorry about the poor lady. I'm not giving up my space in car line ever. Like it doesn't happen. Um, so you can only imagine these people showing up at this hut. Hey, I, I, I have sympathy for your plight. You ain't getting in. I've been here all day. I got a seat right inside the wall where I can hear Jesus. I'm about four rows back. It may happen for me today. It's not gonna happen. And then I love this, you maybe know the story. This guy on the mat, I should, maybe I should read some of it. In John 5, 18, I could just tell it to you. It says, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat and they tried to take him inside to Jesus, but inevitably they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. And then I love this, like game over. Like you tried, thank your friends. I, that's, we need to go back the other three miles, but I appreciate you taking me here. It's just not gonna happen. There's no way anybody's gonna let us in here. So we'll just go home and hopefully one of these other ones, we're gonna catch him and it's gonna happen for us. Instead, this dude's sitting on a mat. He's like, whoa, wait, hey, before we leave. Do you think that you could just, just hear me out. Could you just lift me up there on the top of that thing and then make, and like, Frank is in the background, like, well, how are we gonna do that? It's like, I don't know, but if you could just get me up there, I'm pretty sure I could punch some holes in the ceiling tiles and then you could just lower me down. How in the world is Jesus gonna ignore me? 
And I'm sure it took some convincing, be like, no, no, we're not going home. Come on, just to make your effort worth it, I don't know when this chance is gonna come again. I know there's a lot of people in the way. I know this is gonna be kind of embarrassing. I know that this is unorthodox. I know that I'm gonna be in the spotlight of everybody and I don't know what Jesus is gonna do once I get in there, but I'm just telling you, even though there are a couple hundred people in my way, I'm like a hundred yards from the source of my healing. And so maybe you could just just get me up there and I'll do the rest. And so you maybe know the story. They get the guy up on top of this basically hut roof. And I can only imagine what that looks like as Jesus is teaching. When I start teaching in here and it rains, I lose everybody. Did I bring an umbrella? What's gonna happen when I walk out? You can only imagine they start to hear taps on the top of this roof and then somebody's fist punching through and there's stuff going everywhere. Jesus is trying to wipe it out of his eye and like all attention is to what is going on at the top of the roof in this house in the middle of Jesus' message. And then this guy just starts getting lowered down. <laughs> and John says it this way. So they went up to the roof and they took off some tiles and they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. <laughs> Could you heal me? I mean, like that's, that's how it went. And there Jesus is face to face with this paralytic man. And in essence, like here's his mindset. Whatever I've gotta do to get there, whatever I've gotta do to make this happen, whatever I've gotta do to get close to that, I'm gonna do it. In essence, this is the moment where his desperation exceeded his self-preservation. And I'm just telling you, in most cases, If you're really gonna find healing in that area that's desperate, if you're really gonna take your life back, if you're really gonna move to a place where you thrive and not just survive, eventually your desperation will have to exceed your self-preservation. Where it is no longer what they think about you or the fact that you have to admit this or I hate really acknowledging it's that bad, but it's that bad that it's gonna, it's gonna require money, it's gonna require some kind of, we just gotta go, and I don't know what our neighbors are gonna think, but we're gonna do everything that we possibly can to get there, whether it's embarrassment, whether it's cost, whether it's we gotta knock some tiles out of a roof. I am so desperate for something to change. In that moment, man, my self-preservation goes out the window, and I love the next part, verse 20. This is Jesus, and seeing their faith. One of the things that's so interesting in all the New Testament is the only thing that really moves and captures Jesus' attention is not theology, not what you believe, not even so much your prayers. Go read the New Testament and look for it. Every time somebody exhibits some kind of measure of extreme faith, it says that it basically captivates Jesus' attention. Because the most important thing in any relationship is trust, and when you are willing to step out in faith, it is a declaration of trust. And I don't know if you know this, but if you're a follower of Jesus, your following Jesus is all about relationship. And so in this moment, like that extreme measure, that extreme, I'm just gonna do it. I don't know maybe how it's gonna work out, but I'm gonna move in the direction that I need to move, which is actually moving in the direction of Jesus. It may be ending a relationship. It may be counseling. It may be we tried to justify this. We need to sell it. It may be I just need to stop texting them or whatever it is, it is extreme in your mind and that extreme measure is really an act of faith. And so Jesus says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. 
And he's going, that is amazing. I'm actually here for the leg thing. If you could take care of that. Like I, <laughs> and then there's this whole religious debate, right? Cause they're like, all the religious leaders who are there. What are you talking about? You forgive him of his sin. Like nobody can forgive sin, but God. And they go back and forth about like who Jesus is and is Jesus really sent from God? And then verse 23, skip down. Jesus says, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven or is it easier to say stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and get yourself home. And I love this. Because here's in essence what's happening. Jesus is like, you came to walk. I came to free you of shame and guilt. And I'll let you walk, but just know that there was a bigger problem even than than this thing that you've struggled with your entire life. And Jesus in this moment is like, you don't even know the full measure of your healing. And I just wanna tell you real quick, Jesus may heal you of things when you begin to move in his direction that you didn't even know that you needed healing from because you see the symptom and God sees the root. And it's why it is so unbelievably necessary in that area where you know you gotta step out. I'm gonna do it anyway, I'm gonna act anyway, I'm gonna take an extreme measure anyway, even if I'm not sure, but I feel like this may be the direction of Jesus in my healing, in my life, I'm gonna do it anyway because God will do more than you were even planning on. You came for a marriage, God came to heal your identity so you don't put the weight of expectations on your spouse. You came for God heal this habit. God actually begins to work on the unhealed hurt that created the habit. You come with this thing about your depression and God may lead you to a place where he's gonna free you of depression, but he's also gonna anchor your worth into your soul that actually led to the depression in the first place to free you up so that you know whose you are. Like God will do more than you were even expecting. And here's the truth about that day, man. That guy gets his friends, who I just can't say enough about them, up on the roof, lowers him down, finds healing. And there's hundreds of other people, even closer than him, that walk away that day and go, maybe next time. Maybe next time we'll get it. Maybe next time we'll get closer. Maybe next time, if you would get yourself out of the house earlier, we will get there and get a front row seat. Like maybe next time it's gonna happen for us. And they walk away that close and don't experience the healing that they came there for. Here's how James said it in the New Testament to put like practical language and context about like you, for some of you, you're right on this threshold where you, you need to act. And I'm just telling you in many cases, it will be an extreme measure. It will be an extreme act of faith. You will not tweak your way into transformation or taking your life back. And James says it this way, there's somewhat famous words He said, do not merely listen to the word. And in this context, it's really, you'll see in a second, he calls it the the law of God or the law of Christ or the perfect law. And really in Galatians, it talks about this. When you become a follower of Jesus, the Old Testament law went away. And now literally you have the law of God written on your hearts, which means there's this thing where even if you don't have a verse, you're like, this is the direction I need to go. Even if you can't chapter and verse, it's like, here's where I think I'm being called to act or I'm being called to stop, whatever it is. And so James is like, do not merely listen to the word or that thing inside of you where the spirit of God is working and so deceive yourselves. Just real quick, isn't it true, man, in trying to take back your life and find healing, it's not that you didn't have good intentions. And sometimes, and this is just kind of what we do, and it's especially, I think, 
prevalent in religious circles is that we will get to the place where we'll deceive ourselves that are hoping and that are intending and that are believing the right stuff and that are praying the right stuff is somehow going to lead us into healing without acting on that one thing we know we need to act on. And come on, isn't it true that sometimes the tension that got you where you are is the tension that's keeping you there? Because the tension that got us in some of the places that we, we are is, I knew I should have. I was aware that I should have paid attention to that tension. I knew, I knew that I should have backed away from that. I knew I should have ended it. I knew I shouldn't have, have gone there. I knew I shouldn't have signed that. And the very tension that created this is now the tension that is maintaining it because we are right in front of this thing where God is willing to heal. God is willing to move you to a place where you will take back your life. And the same thing that started it perpetuates it is, I know I need to. I know this is where I need to take a step. I know this is where I need to act. I know this is where I just need to, in spite of my embarrassment, in spite of the cost, in spite of the money, in spite of what she or he will think, I just gotta do it. But we won't do it. And so James is like, Don't merely listen and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what you know you've got to do. Take the step that you know you have got to take. And come on, if you had no fear right now, no fear about, is it going to work? What else is it going to cost? How much more sacrifice? What are they going to think? If I have to admit that it's this bad or all the, if all fear were gone, what do you know you need to do? If all fear were gone, what do you know you need to back out of or stop doing? Because I'm just telling you that that extreme measure in your mind may be the catalyst for what God wants to do to heal and to take back your life. And so verse 23, anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like a man, because this particular example I think so fits dudes, looks at his face in the mirror and then after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And you you could really like, illustrate this in a number of things. The the point is this, he walks away and there's no urgency to do something. Like, okay, to put this in our context, a couple years ago in the United States, and I I think this is great, this is not me, I'm just putting this in context. We we spent like $38.6 billion on cosmetics. Um, We spent 12 billion, 12 billion plus on nipping and tucking and enlarging and Botoxing and, and that's great too. And like, it's not gonna stay there forever, but give it as good a run as you can. James' point is this, whether it's your physical appearance or it's like you renovated that house, it's amazing. It's amazing what people will do to renovate their house that they won't apply to their personal healing. It's amazing what we'll sacrifice for other things. It's amazing what we will give up. And James is basically saying this, you will confront the reality of your situation until it changes when it comes to so many other things. And sometimes it ain't pretty. You're like, I gotta do something about this. And then you go and you do whatever it takes to make it right or get it right before you walk away. And James, in essence, is saying this, you will go to extreme measures in other areas of your life to buy it, to renovate it, to upgrade it, to lift it, to do whatever else you wanna do. What if you applied that to your healing? And so then he says this, here's the contrast, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law, literally Galatians, the law written on our hearts, in most cases, you know what you need to do that gives freedom and then continues to do this. Meaning, in most cases, you sowed and reaped your way where you are and now you need to sow and reap your way out. Not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it. 
but doing it. In most cases, taking an extreme measure, an extreme act, an extreme step of faith. End of the verse, he will be blessed in what he does. I mean, here's what I know, and I think you know this. It's easier to move into a mess than it is to move out of one. It's easier to start a habit than it is to heal from one. Like it's easier to move into a place where like you are ruled by your emotions than you overcome your emotions. And come on, it's easier to run from God than it is to run back to God in many cases. And I just know, and I just, I want some of you to hear me that that thing in front of you that you've become conditioned to, this is just where I'm living my life or it is what it is or you keep hoping and praying and believing and, and nothing's changing. That thing that is gonna require sacrifice, the thing that you don't wanna do that is too uncomfortable that you've dismissed and downplayed. In many cases, that is the thing that is the catalyst for what God wants to do. And it is not easy, it is hard, and it will require sacrifice. And I think for a lot of us, in that area, whatever it is, I think we already know what it is in, in a lot of cases. And it may be extreme. Like you start to think about, okay, if, if there was just no fear, what, what do I know I need to do? And it's a breakup. And to think about a breakup with somebody you've been with for, for three years, that's as extreme as it gets. And there's a lot of uncertain future. And is this the last train out? And all of these things that flood your mind. And you know if you're ever gonna move to where you gotta get to. For others of us, it's, a, it's an extreme sacrifice for others of us, your healing is gonna require physical money. One of the stories I heard recently from some friends of ours that were going through a really difficult time in their marriage and they finally went to counseling and the husband finally went to counseling. It's so hard for dudes to go to counseling, it's just a fact. And he finally went and immediately, and this doesn't happen all the time, but immediately there was some stuff, some emotional stuff that was diagnosed that came to the surface of like, I think this is behind a lot of stuff. And then they walked away and there's some other appointments they needed to make, some other people that they needed to see. And to me, it's like, what's, what's this gonna cost? What's this gonna mean? And the wife said to this other person, I'll do whatever it takes. I will get an evening job and I will work extra hours in order for us to get the healing that we need. And I'm just telling you, in most cases, that's what it's gonna say. For my wife to get healing, and she, she would say she's not completely healed, but she is whole and she is thriving. It took extreme stuff. It took, we're gonna, we're gonna drive across the country. We're gonna spend money that we don't have. We're gonna meet with people that we don't know, but we are gonna do everything we can, even if we're 60% sure. Jesus, I'm gonna move in the direction of you and I'm praying that you're gonna do something on the other side of this. But it will not be easy. It will require sacrifice. And I'm just telling you, the majority of the people, a lot of times that we meet with that breaks my heart is they are right on the verge and there's that thing they just won't do. There's that thing that is just too uncomfortable. There's that place that they just will not go and it's embarrassing to, to admit, it's uncomfortable. I've gotta quit my job. I've gotta put a filter on my phone. I've gotta quit sports and get into community and how's that gonna affect their college and da, 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 da. I, We gotta drive across country, I don't know what it is. But it will require an extreme measure in most cases and what holds us back is two things, fear and pride. Because for a lot of us, it's I want it, but it costs. Like I want it, I'm praying for it, I'm believing it, but it costs. And will it work? And what else is gonna be required? And is it worth it? And it's why, like where that fear is holding you back, it's an issue of faith. 
And when you are willing to take a step of faith, I'm telling you, God moves in your direction. I love this quote from Erwin McManus. And it's not that everything is gonna be laid out for you. God clarifies in the midst of obedience. He does not clarify beforehand. Because it's about faith, it's about trust. And a lot of times, because we are unwilling to take that step, our fear overwhelms our faith and we just won't do it. And then the second thing is pride. Because for a lot of us, like what either moved us to where we're at, and sometimes it's not even something we've done as we talked about in the series, it's what something, something that somebody else has done, but still, it is our pride that keeps us from moving in the direction of taking back our life. It's that idea in our mind of, okay, how's this gonna look on me? How's this gonna look on my parenting? Like, I don't wanna really feel this way, so to go back to last week, we just won't acknowledge certain things. Or like, if I get help, what are they gonna say? Or the fact that I've gotta admit that it is this bad when you are constantly downplaying that it's not that bad, but it is that bad. And your pride keeps you from the power that you need to change. Here's what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5, 6. So humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty power, in some translations, the mighty hand of God, synonymous with power, and at the right time, and at the right time, the perfect time, God will lift you up, and in many cases, lift you out. And the act of humility positions you for God's power. And the two things that are gonna get in the way are your fear and your pride. And when you are willing to go, listen, I'm not gonna allow my fear of what I think, what they think, what I feel, what it's gonna cost us, how this is gonna affect our future. I'm not gonna allow that fear to overwhelm my faith. And I'm not going to allow my pride to continue to hold me back. And the promise is when you humble yourself, your humility to get help or move toward that thing, that very act literally positions yourself under God's hand, God's power to do what God wants to do in your life. And listen, I just wanna make this really clear like the paralytic. Here's the thing he knew. I'll do whatever it takes. If you want me to go into rehab, I'll do that. Like whatever I've gotta do to get it right. But what the paralytic knew is I know that my healing is only gonna come through Jesus. And so let's just be clear. The only person that is gonna heal you, restore you and set you free is Jesus, the name of Jesus, and the power that is available in Jesus. That's it. And when you are willing to move in faith and humble yourself, it is accessing that very power. You think you're just moving in the direction of a healed relationship or a habit or, or apologizing. It's more than that. That very act, because it's done in obedience and faith, is the very act of moving in the direction of Jesus. And when you do, Jesus is like, listen, when, you, when you're required to humble yourself, when you're required to get uncomfortable, when you're required to step in faith, when you're required to sacrifice, just read the New Testament. God's like, that's the moment that my power begins to move on your behalf, but your desperation has to get to a place where it exceeds your self-preservation. And if some of you were honest, as much as you talk about it, and if I could just push a little bit for a few of you or one of you online somewhere that's listening that you've kind of started to live in this victim mode and you talk about it and you pray about it and you've gotten all your friends involved, the reality is this, you have not gotten desperate enough to allow your desperation and your humility and your faith to override your self-preservation. And here's the dynamic for a lot of us, man is that literally we will get so comfortable in our dysfunction 
that it overrides the discomfort needed for our healing. And we don't ever look at it that way. But where you're at, you've gotten so comfortable in that relationship, so comfortable in that habit, so comfortable feeling the way that you feel, so comfortable with all of those unhealthy emotions that the comfort of your dysfunction overrides the price of discomfort your healing requires. And it's only when you get to the place, man, where I'm gonna set all of that aside and I'm gonna come with urgency because I'm just telling you, your health and ultimately taking back your life is better than any comfort that your dysfunction is providing you right now. And come on, some of us have just gotten to a place where we are living in this psychological term called languishing. It's this place between living and thriving healthily in depression. It's not quite depression, but it's not thriving. We're just languishing and we have normalized languishing. Are there seasons of that? Absolutely. But have you been called to live the landscape of your life in that place? You go, this is where I am. Most of my weeks suck. It's just always overwhelming. It's always hard. And Jesus is like, are you kidding me? I have the power that raised Christ from the dead in you. I have the power when I walked out of the grave to break and free you of any stronghold, to overcome any habit, to move you into any healing, to, to, to infuse purpose in your life that overrides any of the, the monotony that you see in the here and now. All of that power is available in you and yet you have believed and lived in the lie that what you're experiencing is all that there is to experience and it is a lack of faith in the power and the willingness of God to move in your situation and move you toward life to the full even in the midst of a broken world. And the thing that's holding you back is the comfort of your dysfunction. And Jesus is inviting you. I want to invite you out, but just make no mistake about it. It will cost you. So I just wanna end with these couple questions and, and we're gonna be done. And you know, anytime I have questions at the end of a the message, they are uncomfortable. I'm just gonna leave you with this. Is there anything off limits to God in your healing? Is there anything off limits to God in your healing? Is there something that you are trying to downplay in regard to taking back your life? It's not that big a deal. Where do you feel urgency to act in the past that you no longer do anymore? Because you and, and your unhealth and you and your dysfunction, you've just gotten comfortable together. And the urgency that you had then is not the urgency that you have now. What sacrifice are you afraid of making? And if you were honest, you just, you just won't go there. You, you just won't do that. Is your pride holding you back? Listen, I'm just gonna tell you, like I'm a big advocate for this. There's so many people that there are some things that, that go beyond just you trying to be self-aware, talk to a friend, like you need counseling to unravel some stuff. And you're like, well, my grandpa didn't do counseling. Your grandpa didn't live in 2021 bombarded with things that your human body was not meant to intake. Just FYI. Whether it's social media, whether it's news, whether it's everything around you, like you are in a place in time in history where you are confronting some things psychologically that no other generation has confronted. And for so many of us, our pride gets in the way of the thing that could be a catalyst for our healing. And instead we'd rather just live comfortable in this place that God never designed for us? Is your pride holding you back? Last question, what areas of your life do you find yourself making excuses? 
And so as, as we end, here's a lot of times the question when we're walking through that stuff, and I get it, man, I'm struggling, or I can't believe they did this to me, or I'm so tired of, I'm so tired of dealing with this, or I, I just wish this would go away, or I wish God would heal this. Where is God at? Where's God at? God, where are you at? And a lot of times the answer to the question is he's right on the other side of your act of humility. He's on the other side of your step of faith. And I'm just telling you, he will do exceedingly abundantly above what you could even ask, think, or imagine. A lot of times he is willing to heal beyond what you can even imagine. And in some cases, when you start to move in this direction, he's going to heal things that you didn't even know that you needed healing from. And I'm just telling you last thing. And on the other side of it, the experience is not, can you believe this? It's like Jesus with the, the loaves and fishes, like Jesus like did this amazing miracle where he brought these loaves and fishes, multiplied them. If you're a skeptic, that's a crazy story. Ignore this part, come back around in just a second. But Jesus multiplies all this amazing story in the New Testament. And at the end of it, the disciples were not amazed at the food. They were not like, we should start a catering business. This is amazing. That wasn't the thing that they were transfixed on. The thing that, in fact, one of the disciples said after that miracle, Jesus, get away from me because I'm unworthy to be in your presence. Because here's the thing, when you allow your faith and your humility to intersect with God's power, God will show off on your behalf. And at the end of it, you will feel known and you will feel loved by God. And that's the win. And that's what you need. And that's what God wants to do in your life. Will he heal you? Yeah, he'll heal you. But will he do a lot more than that? In most cases, yeah, he will. Because above even healing you, because come on, there's some things we're never gonna get healing from this side of heaven. But here's what I'll promise you because God's left us his promise. You begin to move in, in, in his direction. You will know God. And it will not be about what he did. It will be about who he is. And when God shows off his power on your behalf, it creates intimacy and relationship with God that I'm just telling you, you don't get any other way. So would you stand with me and would you pray with me online or wherever you are? Jesus, I thank you so much for your grace. I thank you so much for what you're doing in this moment. And as I realized throughout this series that these messages land all over the place and they stir up all kinds of things. And so my prayer throughout has been this, is that where you expose that you would bring the full measure of your grace in that area. That where you lead us, where you convict us, where you show us, it is in an effort to heal us. It is God's kindness that leads us to repentance and change. And so do your thing in this moment on behalf of your grace and your love and your power. And I'm praying all of this in Jesus' incredible name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.